Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have a former guest, weatherman turned passionate aviation professional, Chris Dunn, with a career update. First of all, Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Carl. Uh, it's great to be back. Has it been, what, uh, three years already? It's been, yeah, it's been a wow. moment. Yes, isn't that amazing? So many things have happened in that period, too, and I'm so excited to have you back on to talk about it because, uh, by the way, if people want to listen to that episode, it is episode 313. Just go back and check it out because uh, a lot of what he said he was going to do, he did. He's fulfilled a big part of his dream, and I think that's the one of the reasons we're having you back on here today. So go back to that, listen to that episode. But for those that don't know Chris, Chris is a, a weatherman, uh, very accomplished, uh, did a, does, done a, does a great job, I should say, uh, both in everything he does in presenting weather in, whether it's online uh, with some of the recorded material or live. So Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and uh, just you know, how you got into aviation and why you're so passionate about it. Uh, the real quick and dirty uh, uh, five cent uh, background on me. Uh, my grandfather was a pilot. He got his pilot certificate in 1929. My father was a pilot. He started flight training the year I was born. In fact, uh, he started flight training the month I was born. Um, I don't know how my mother put up with that, but <laughs> she did. Um, uh, even though uh, I had aviation in my family, I didn't necessarily grow up with it. So I had aviation magazines and a lot of content and that that interest but as far as hanging out at the hangar and the airport I really didn't have a whole lot of that and uh, even though I, I had a lot of that my and my goal was to be an airline pilot uh, at about uh, 13 14 years old I went to a career day and I was wearing glasses at that time and uh, the guy said no nope, you're not going to make it because 98% of our pilots come from the military. And that was coming straight from the guy working for Continental Airlines at Denver Stapleton Airport back in the day. So I believed him. And I didn't. I wasn't given any other career path to, to pursue that. And that was long before the days of the Internet and social media and informative podcasts like yours, Carl. Um, so people in this day and age i think are really fortunate because they have this support system that is outside of just one voice and just one person that can totally steer the career of of someone and and direct me to do something else and i really didn't know what i wanted to do when i was growing up and always had an interest in weather and finally figured out i should pursue that but after i was in college uh, so I had to pick up all the academic background for that after the fact. I graduated with a degree in broadcasting, got involved in the, the movie business and radio and television. And then uh, finally, when the time and the, the money came together, I was able to pursue that, uh, that flight training goal. Uh, not in a career sense, but uh, originally it was just purely for recreation, for the challenge of it, for the fun of it. And that took me through 18, almost 20 years uh, of doing flying for fun on the side. And there are a couple of years in the logbook where there are no hours at all. So, you know, as time and funds permit, uh, you know, raising a family and uh, having other commitments, and sometimes that gets in the way. Uh, but it wasn't until 2018 when I got my commercial, 2019 became a CFI, and uh, was able to leave my full-time TV job. Um, and with a lot of planning ahead and careful preparation, was able to transition from one job, one career path to another, and uh, you know built up some time. Worked for several different flight schools. Moved back to Arizona. Worked for a large Part 141 school here in Arizona, uh, training CFIs because I was a two-year uh, at that point, and then uh, built up enough hours 
to be considered for a professional flying job that wasn't taking people out to the practice area and doing endless trips around the pattern you know, time and time and time again. <laughs> and if you've ever done any instruction, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's there's flying with a purpose now, and we're we're taking people places, which is really, I think, just as satisfying as as teaching people how to fly in the first place. But I think there are different stages in the evolution of one's career, and I think flight instruction. I really enjoyed instructing, and I really enjoyed that sense of seeing a completion from start to finish, and teaching people new things, and and sending an, a student off for their first solo for the first time uh, was really gratifying. But um, you know, frankly, the money is not there in most flight training environments, and and it's just a, a different step and a different uh, progression in uh, the aviation career where I am now. You know, you mentioned that uh, portion where you transitioned uh, to the flying career, uh, went from full-time weatherman to now flying full-time and doing some of the other uh, weather uh, producing and uh, broadcasting part-time. What was yeah. that like? I mean, what did what did you feel like during that transition? Was it, were you scared? What what kind of emotions were going through your your mind and body? Uh, well, I I started listening to a lot of podcasts, including yours, uh, both of yours that you have, to to try to fill my head with as much information and prepare myself. Uh, but I think if if you're going to make a transition like that, it's uh, it's it's not just a snap decision. You have to include. Uh, uh, family, uh, friends, other people around you, the support system that you have, uh, and don't blindly just jump into it and say, I'm going to go and spend $100,000 and become a professional career pilot in seven months, which I guess can be done technically, but <laughs> better to spread it over a little bit more time than that. Um, set yourself up uh, realistic expectations uh, financially, uh, because it is a burden and the faster you do it, the more money it's going to save you, but also it's going to pull you away from other things. So if you have a part-time job or even a full-time job and you're trying to do it side by side, that may be a little more difficult, but, but transitioning to a, a job where, yeah, there are a handful of people that, that do jobs in aviation, uh, starting out with a fresh commercial certificate that doesn't involve flight instruction, but, uh, by and large, most of us go the flight instruction route. And, and if you're going to do that, go full in. And don't just say, well, I'm just here to build the hours and, and yeah, we'll do 10 cross countries because I need more cross country time. No, you're just doing a disservice to the student and to the industry as a whole. So, you know, make a full, full on commitment to be the best instructor you can be while you're there building time at the same time. It's kind of the, the icing on the cake. Uh, but really just setting yourself up, come up with a plan. You know, we say uh, plan the flight, fly the plan. Do the same thing with your career and and uh, listen to Carl Valeri because he knows what he's talking about and gives some great advice and a lot of encouragement, too. Absolutely. Th thanks for that, Chris. But, you know, one of the things that I think was so important about what you said, two big ones. Number one, get your family involved. I think it's so important to get your whole uh, your family can be extended too. you know, it's it's also some of your friends that are close friends actually almost become like family in this situation. Uh, get mentors. Uh, yeah. Also, the fact that. You know, during this process, uh, you've you've made this transition, and you went into flight instruction. And I love the fact you talked about going full in. I think that shows a lot of integrity on your part, and I think integrity is so important. 
in anything that you do in aviation. So truly do the best job you can, no matter where you are. You know, say you're out there and you're working a job, working at the golf course, you know, hustling bags, et cetera. No matter what it is, do the best job you can because you know that translates into a great work ethic that's later in life will help you. And yes. I'm sure you agree with it. it. Well, and that has helped me recently um, here in Arizona. Uh, uh, TV station that I didn't work for previously it was a different TV station. They approached me and said, "We're down a couple of people. We're desperate need of help. Uh, can you come in and, and fill some of the gaps as a freelancer? You know, not a full time person, but uh, on your weeks off from the flying job, would you like to come in and work on TV again?" And it had been four years since I'd been on the air, and I talked it over with my wife, and I said, "Okay, I have I work a seven day on, seven day off schedule, and during the seven days off." I have a fair amount of, of downtime. Uh, so I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then my wife said, well, just go in and just, you're just covering the bases. Just make sure you just, just be a warm body and kind of phone it in. And I said, I can't, I can't do that. That's, that's <laughs> not me. And that wouldn't be doing justice to, to the job or to the station, to the employer. They're, they're giving me an opportunity to, to work for them. Um, so I have to do it the way I know how to do it. And yeah, I'm going to go in and, open up the hood and get into the weather computer and, and do a, a legit forecast analysis and do the best job that I possibly can do. And that's just the way I've approached things. And, and I hope that, that your listeners and viewers here will, will do the same thing with their aviation career or no matter what career they have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're a great ambassador for aviation. I think also for uh, the fact that you have so much integrity in your aviation background and even today. Uh, but you've actually you've taken this both of these things that you love, uh, weather and also flying and and melded them together. And I think that's absolutely terrific. So you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to how your dream is going to actually formulate because we have this dream, but it's never exactly the same as it was three years ago. So if you were to look back, say, 2020, I guess, when we spoke before and today, you know, what, what do you think, what's different than the vision you had years ago? Well, 2020, of course, we were dealing with the pandemic uh, that was on the top of everyone's minds and, and what was going to happen to the industry. I know there were a lot of um, a lot of people going to the regionals where the classes were canceled. The airline uh, industry was in a major crisis. What are we going to do? When are we going to recover from this? It's going to take years. It took months, not years, uh, to recover from the pandemic. And, and the regionals came bouncing back, uh, hiring a lot of low-time pilots, just way beyond expectations. Um, unfortunately, we had uh, a few deaths in my family and my wife's family, and so we decided to move from, I was in Alabama at that time, we started to move back to Arizona uh, without jobs. I thought I was going to work in the Amazon warehouse. Uh, didn't know what we were going to do, and fortunately, I found a flight instructing job uh, at a big school, and I was able to keep my hands in it and and do more of that, uh, along with uh, little other side hustles here and there, and we were able to to make it. Um, and then, you know, I I did see that as an opportunity one for a job, but two, uh, to build some hours and some quality time uh, and get some glass time, which I didn't have. Uh, this particular school had a fleet of uh, nearly new Piper Archers with G1000s in them. Uh, the the students had no idea how good they had it. Um, coming from, you know, <laughs> 1970s era Cherokees and Skyhawks. Um, but fantastic equipment that they had there. 
Absolutely. Um, What's but, moving map, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Follow the magenta line. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was really, uh, you know, I think I see it as a fantastic opportunity to uh, to grow myself and my skill set, uh, as well as uh, as being an instructor and in a different environment and gain some hours, gain some knowledge um, and put that to use and then um, explore other opportunities. Because, again, you know, the like I said, the uh, the pay even though I was working full-time, uh, well, I wasn't working full-time. Technically, I was a part-time instructor, but I had five or six students at a time. And I think uh, last year, this was 2022, I made a total in flight instructing of $22,000. Wow. Uh, which is not a whole lot. Um, but, you know, other things here and there helped to, to pay the bills. So I was able to make that through. And, and of course, uh, a much more lucrative opportunity came my way, so I decided to jump on that. But you should never give up on your dream, and you didn't. And uh, I'm sure there was challenges, though, and you may have thought about it, maybe. Uh, I mean, during that period, did you ever think, oh, gosh, I, I'm not sure I can do this? Uh, no, I always knew that I could do it. Uh, it was just a matter of, you know, what is going to be next? It's just the, the unknown. And I think a lot of people are afraid of the unknown and they're afraid to take that step. Um, I had a friend who was buying his first house a couple of years ago and said, I don't know if I should do this because it's kind of scary and I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I've bought and sold houses a number of times in the course of my life. And I said, don't worry about it. If you're, if you're afraid to do it, look at how many other people have done this and, and successfully. So, so do it. I mean, there, there will be no, no regrets if you, if you do it. And uh, just plan ahead. Uh, prior proper planning prevents poor performance. Actually, there's another word in there, but I, I left that one out. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> you know, Chris, you are someone that I, I really admire because of the fact that you've never given up on your dream. And, and I think your attitude helps a lot because, and the reason I ask that question is the fact that it seems that you've never been down psychologically you've never been down but there are people that are out there having challenges and i think it's important when you do have those challenges to find something yeah. small that you can do today to keep move forward moving forward in your career uh so what did you do during those challenging times i know you got out there and worked but i mean just if you had to give someone advice today about having a challenge thinking they can't do it what would you say to them um Try to look for the, the positives. Look for the upside in anything. See a glass half full versus half empty. Uh, try to go for the half full. You know, focus on what you do have and set realistic goals. Don't say, I'm going to be a 777 captain in two years. That's probably not going to happen. But if you say, okay, I'm going to be a um, multi-engine instructor and perhaps uh, start applying for regional airlines or uh, fractional uh, operators in two years. Okay, that's a more realistic goal. And and I think if, if you set your sights a little bit too high, then you'll get disappointed and um, then things don't, don't come about and then it kind of spirals from there. So, uh, you know, with encouragement and uh, proper planning, and realistic expectations, I think we can kind of manage and, you know, like we're trying to manage risk in aviation, you can manage your own self-risk and, and self-progress by doing some of those uh, internal stage checks. Okay, where are we? And, and if you set mini goals too, okay, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here, here at certain times, then you say, yeah, I did achieve that. So now we go on to the next step and the next step 
And, you know, like filling out the page of a logbook, when you get to turn that next page, it's a, a sense of accomplishment. And if you keep accomplishing things, you know that you can keep going and you can get to that end goal, whatever it is. Absolutely. So that's some great advice. So now you're doing something really a lot of fun. You talked about uh, some of the things that you're doing flying-wise. Let's talk about your, your flying job. Obviously, we're not going to talk about who your employer is. Uh, but what is it? First of all, what do you do, and what is it that you really love about your job right now? Uh, we take people places, and you know, people they they pay a lot of money to have uh, private transportation. They don't want to fly on the airlines. They could easily afford to fly first class wherever they go, but maybe their travels take them to airports that are more convenient to their destination or to where they live. Um, and they might live on a or, or be on a tight time schedule. So we are tasked with taking them uh, to the places they want to go when they want to go there in, in a very safe manner. Uh, safety is above all. If we can't do something safely, then we uh, are handed the keys to the airplane and, and also the, the blessing of the, the um, uh, managers on duty to say, no, we can't make this flight. It's not safe. Uh, or it's against our policy, and we just simply can't do it. We'll go to an alternate, or we just won't make the flight at all. So I think uh, having a, a supportive uh, company behind you and making PIC decisions, uh, flight decisions, uh, that really counts for a lot. And we do a lot of flying. Uh, the company I fly for flies throughout North America, Canada, Mexico, the, the Bahamas, uh, mostly the eastern half of the country and a lot of east coast flying. Uh, specifically in the Northeast, but we do a, a lot of Florida flying and Bahamas flying. Um, could be up to seven, possibly even eight legs a day. Uh, I've done as few as one or two legs in one day, but we're always flying to, to different places. And we're given a sheet at the start of the day, okay, here are the places you're going to go. And sometimes that will change during the course of the day. Uh, and if you try to look two days ahead, well, forget about it. That's definitely going to change because we have a lot of people who want to fly to a lot of places. And we have uh, the company I work for now has about 250 pilots and about 45 airplanes. So it's a, a pretty robust schedule that can change. Uh, and it often does. So you would the company you work for is actually like a charter company where they would hire people or do they do some some ownership also? Yeah, it's mostly uh, fractional ownership. So uh, we do flights under Part 91, which is are the reload flights. Part 91K, which is a subsection of Part 91, which covers fractional ownership. So you can own, say, an eighth of a share in the airplane and have uh, use of that airplane. The way I describe it is kind of like a timeshare with an airplane. Uh, and then we also do Part 135 flights, which are um, uh, on-demand or charter flights. Uh, and we, we do flights... Uh, uh, that can be brokered out uh, for an individual to say, I want to go from Boca Raton to uh, Atlanta Peachtree to Cab Airport. And, you know, obviously those are places not served by the airline, but if it's uh, more convenient for them, we can say, okay, uh, we will fly you from point A to point B, and it will cost this much money, and we will pick you up at this time at this airport, and we will deliver you at that time, and, and it's all about convenience and uh, a savings in time. So how many days do you actually uh, work in a month, and are you gone all those days? Uh, I am gone all of the days. Um, the, the company's headquarters is not where I live. So fortunately, they uh, afford us the opportunity to be remote-based. So I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona, and if they need me on day one in Cleveland, Ohio, or Atlanta, Georgia, or Boston, 
they will airline me to that location. So that's my day one. And then I work seven days on, and then I'll have seven days off. So my day one is I travel to the airplane, wherever the airplane is. I'll meet the captain there. And then uh, sometimes we fly on day one. Sometimes they'll just put me up in a hotel, and you're flying the next day. And then for most of those next five days or so, we're flying different places. It's kind of a rare case where I'm just on standby. Sometimes uh, on the uh, the holidays, like Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, I was in a hotel room in Chicago. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of the business. But that's also kind of a carryover from uh, my career in broadcasting where uh, there's always something happening every single day. So you need to be on or when and when you're off, you're off. Uh, so at the end of the seven-day cycle, uh, they will send me home if... Uh, I don't think it's happened yet where I have where I've uh, actually ended in Phoenix. So I'll, I'll end somewhere, and then they'll send me on an airline uh, back home to Phoenix to end my seven-day cycle. And once once I check in and landed in Phoenix, they'll say, "Okay, great, enjoy your seven days off." And I won't hear anything from them until a day or so before my scheduled uh, next seven days. So when I'm off, I'm off definitely. That leads into my next question, which I've seen uh, somewhere on your social media, YouTube channel, et cetera, where someone was surprised at how you could do all these different things. Like you're, you're also involved, and we'll talk a little bit about that, with another company doing some, still doing some instructing. Uh, but you're able to do those other things because you're kind of like me. On your days off, you work. Sure. Yeah, and a lot of aviation jobs uh, offer you the opportunity to do that, say an airline pilot. If you bid a, a schedule for the month, you'll know what your schedule is going to be. So you might work, uh, well, in your case, Carl, you're working every single day because you're a hardworking guy. Well, well, I'm doing this. Yeah, yes, yeah you're doing this. <laughs> but I'll, I'll have 14 days off. That's my worst schedule. So 14 days off, hey, you're only working half of the month for, right. for, for the airline or for the, uh, the, the employer. So the rest of that time, you have time to, to travel or to do your side hustle this, or yeah. to, to play golf or whatever you want to do. So there was a lot of freedom, but, but when you're working, uh, the way I look at it is uh, the company, they, they own me for, for seven days, and they tell me where to go, what to do. Uh, but even during those seven days, we have uh, rest periods. So we have mandatory time where we have to be in rest, and uh, we have uh, limits on our duty day and the, the amount of flying that we can do. We can't fly any more than 10 hours in one day in a 24-hour period. And we have to have uh, that rest period before we start the next cycle. So, you know, it's not like they're, we're flying constantly 24-7. That brings up a great point. Boy, you know, so during your rest period, uh, I know this is what I do. When, they, when I'm working, just like you said, they own me. I'm not going to do anything else. On that, during that rest period, do you ever try to do other work or anything like that? I'd love to hear your your view on the fact of, of some people try to do that. Yeah, um, you know, during that rest period, uh, I'll try to find a, a hotel gym and maybe do some exercise and, and uh, try to maintain my health as, as best I can because, you know, being on the road, it's kind of rough, different sleep mm -hmm. schedules. If I'm flying East Coast and I'm used to uh, a two or three hour time zone difference, that can be rough on the on the body. And then also if you're flying, say, five or six legs in six or seven hours in one day, uh, the way we fly, we don't have a flight attendant that will deliver us a meal in the cockpit, Carl. Uh, we have, I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, not at all. So we have to kind of look ahead at our schedule and say, okay, um, yeah, we're going to be flying to 
Greenville, South Carolina, and we're going to be landing in Charlotte, and we're going to be flying down to Lakeland. Uh, oh, there's a Grubhub in Lakeland that has uh, five different uh, sources of, of delivery for food, so we can have food delivered to the FBO. And we have to kind of plan it out that way. And, and what's going to be easy to eat in the cockpit if we don't have enough time to sit down and actually eat a meal? So uh, meals on the go can sometimes be a little bit difficult. Um, and then, you know, we might be getting in at 9 or 10 o'clock at night on some nights and everything's closed. So have to kind of plan ahead. Lots of uh, trail mix and protein bars and stuff that's on standby. You know, I'm glad, glad you brought that up because even in the airline world, uh, you may not have anything available to you. I mean, say the meal's been done or you're just on a quick flight, you get to the terminal at 3 in the morning, everything's closed down. Mm -hmm. uh, so in any type of aviation career, I think you should plan your food or have something uh, that you might want to bring with you, like a meal bar, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely key. So that is, it's interesting what you said, that you go to work, you're, you're there, you do your job, you come home, and sometimes that's, that's liberating. I mean, it's great. It's, it, you're free to just be at work and not think about anything else. But then you come home, and you, just like my, myself, uh, love to work uh, on your days off, and you've actually got involved in another organization that uh, has a lot to do with instruction. So tell us a little bit about that as far as uh, the Gold Seal. Yeah, uh, well, it's combining my, my love and interest in aviation and weather and my brack, background in background in broadcasting, although you couldn't <laughs> tell, my background in broadcasting. Um, and uh, uh, the way it came about was I, I saw some videos, some sample videos from Gold Seal online flight training, and I remarked about how, how um, effective and eye-catching the graphics were and and the presentation was a real guy talking to you about flight training and putting in real easy to understand terms no hokey corny jokes um no uh, this is the material and you will learn it and memorize this uh you know no talking head uh, lecture style you know it was just a, a real format of hey these are people talking to you like it could be uh us talking to each other and learning the material. Um, and so uh, kind of uh, drummed up and established a relationship with Russ Still, the owner and creator of Gold Seal Online Flight Training. And uh, he hired me to uh, to do the, the weather portion of the instrument flight training program that started up in 2022. Uh, and we're working on a commercial pro pilot program that will debut in 2024. Um, so I've been writing a lot of the content, presenting a lot of it, uh, some of it on camera, some of it behind the microphone. Uh, but it's uh, also, you know, drawing upon my experience as an instructor and specifically uh, instructing CFI candidates that you have really kind of a, a more of a deep down knowledge of all of this material. And you get really uh, uh, tight and cozy with the ACS and learning all of that stuff and then trying to teach it to other people. How do you best accomplish that? You know, how do you get through to people? All those little tips and tricks that, that you learn as an instructor uh, can put that into an online program where people can easily access it and learn it and gain some knowledge and then hopefully, you know, be able to use that and come back to that from time and time again. 
And you've done a great job, by the way, with everything I've seen you've done online and even the stuff you've done on your own to teach people. It's uh, yeah, You have a, a gift, and, and I think they were very smart to, to get you involved. By the way, if you want to check that out, it's groundschool.com, groundschool.com, and you can find out more there at groundschools.com yeah. and at Gold Seal. And he has it on his shirt, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, oh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention, he has a lot of different websites. They'll be in the show notes. The Flying Weatherman is one, and Facebook, LinkedIn, just some really cool stuff out there one of the things i do love about all of your social media and the reason i love to have you on here is that you do encourage people to keep moving in their career moving forward in their lives no matter what it is they do uh, whether it is as a hobby you know like uh, people that are learning how to fly get their instrument raising or somebody wants to go forward with their career so I, I think that's the, probably the the one biggest takeaway that i had from listening early on to your podcast the aviation careers podcast is that uh, that encouragement that you give everyone at the end of, end of every show? Keep doing something every day to advance your career, your knowledge, because it's easy to fall into that that uh, that lull of uh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Uh, I'll put it off until next week. Uh, Christmas is coming up after New Year's. I'll I'll do it. Uh, if you keep moving and keep progressing, then that forces you to keep that momentum going. And I think that was really valuable advice and one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from you, Carl. Well, thanks. And I'm, and that's one of the things that I think is so important in all of our lives, no matter what it is we're doing, is to always constantly take that next step in our career. And you're, you're just a great testament to that and a great example of taking one step every day. But uh, now you're here, you're where you are now, flying, and you love what you're doing. It sounds like it's very fulfilling. Uh, everything you're doing is very fulfilling. What's next uh, for Chris Dunn? Um, well, I'm I'm in the pipeline to upgrade to captain right now. So, cool. um, you know, first things first, I want to upgrade to a captain and take on a lot more responsibility. Uh, at our company, we also do the flight planning. Uh, we do our own weight and balance calculations. We do weather planning. Uh, and it's surprising to me how many captains have turned to me and said, you know, what's your take on this? Because uh, <laughs> weather's not really my strong point. Uh I'll say, okay, this is this is what I think, or this is what I'm seeing, or at least just for a second opinion. Yeah, um, that's cool. So you know, I want to do that, and I'll explore other other opportunities. I'm st I still have my hand in television. Um, you know, who knows what might happen with that? Um, I really enjoy the company I work for right now. They're really a very good company, and I I don't have any intention of leaving that job anytime soon, but. You know, as you know, in in aviation circles, uh, sometimes opportunities pop up when you least expect it, and uh, you know it's it is uh, hard working two, three jobs at a time, and then uh, try to maintain a, a home life. So uh, you know, there's that balance to be found, and if something gets out of balance, it's our job to try to find uh, a way to rebalance those things. So you know, if if uh, there are complaints that you're spending too much time at home and I'm a single parent again, or I'm, I'm, I'm empty nester now, but, uh, I'm, I'm eating dinner, uh, alone five, six, seven nights a week. Uh, that's got to change. Well then, you know, try to find a way to, to make that change and make that happen. 
Absolutely. I think the work-life balance is so important. That's the reason I started doing a lot of the coaching. It's not just about moving forward in your flying career. It's your whole life. You have to take a holistic approach to whatever it is you do in life. And I think, uh, like I said, I think you're a great example of that. And I think it's terrific that you, you communicate that with your family. As a matter of fact, right after this, I'm going to go out and have uh, an early dinner with my wife because she's the same way. She's like, I'm, I'm home alone and, and I don't get to see you that often. I'm here in the studio or I'm out flying an airplane. Uh, so I'm taking my own advice and uh and that's the most important thing to do i mean you can talk the talk but you got to walk the walk and chris dunn has done that uh and has and what's really cool too is you're someone that even though you're very interested in earlier time in your life it took it it took you a little while to change careers into this into aviation but you have a lot of runway left in front of you if you don't mind how many years do you have left uh if you were say to go to an airline if i was to go to an airline um I think we're about the same age, Carl, so I don't right. want to give away your age. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got about uh, eight, eight and a half years left right, of right. So professional flying. So, But beyond that, there are options. So if you are in that 50s age bracket, maybe even early 60s, don't just look at the airline job as your only option because you can transfer to other jobs like the company I work for right now. Uh, there is no age 65 restriction because we're not 121. Uh, so uh, part 135 operators, 91, 91K, you can fly past 65. So there are other options out there. Say if you uh, flew for a regional airline for five years, you got a type rating in a, a Challenger or a CRJ, uh, ERJ, something like that. That will translate over into to something else. Uh, so many options still out there beyond 65. Uh, Chris, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, and and one of the things I think we are starting to realize is even the regional airlines are shifting back to 135, and uh, you know 135 mm-hmm. scheduled operations where you can go past 65. There's some there's a lot of different opportunities out there, and I'm so glad that you're going to continue on with your flying. Uh, the biggest thing is is to keep healthy and keep moving forward. Uh, Chris, what else? What else is there? Anything else? Any other advice you might want to give to people that are actually thinking about changing a career later in life? You know, I. I I know I see this coming up time and time again in the, the various aviation-related uh, Facebook groups and on, on your podcast. It seems to be a very common theme of where mid-career professionals are, are asking, should I make the leap? Should I jump into flight training? Uh, oh, my gosh, I'm so old. I'm 28 years old, and I'm afraid I don't have any career left as being an, an airline pilot. And, and the only answer is, you know, if, if you want to do it, uh, look at it carefully, find a way to do it, and do it. Um, that's the only way you're you're truly going to know. You don't want to go through life having regrets. I, When I was in college and, and I did my first television internship at a, a local TV station, and I thought, wow, this is really something I could do. Uh, I had some classmates tell me, well, you know, there's a lot of competition in that business, and the chances of you succeeding is pretty slim. So, you know, maybe look at a, a PR firm, do something like that, or work at a bank, or I don't know what, what they were thinking. And my thought was, someone out there has to get these jobs, and it might as well be me. And if I only make it to a certain level, well, so be it. Um, but at least I'm going to give it a try, and I know I'm not going to shoot from the moon right out of the bat, or right out of the gate, but... Um, I'm going to do the best I possibly can, and I'll see where this journey takes me. And it took me from a uh, a small market in California where I graduated from college to some of the top markets in the country. 
And, uh, you know, I can look back on that with uh, all the various accolades and awards that I've won in the past and say, yeah, I went there, I did that, I accomplished this, and I have a a sense of satisfaction, you know, patting myself on the back here. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's it's hard work and perseverance and, and really striving to do the best job you possibly can do and take that into aviation and uh and you know again with the realistic expectations and i hate to say cliche but the sky's the limit (laughs) absolutely absolutely well chris thanks so much for stopping by and talking to us we'd love to have you back on again to talk about more about your aviation career uh but the uh, best place to find you online would be Probably my website, theflyingweatherman.com, also on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Chris Dunn Weather on Instagram. Um, I have a couple of Twitter accounts, uh, or X as it's called now, um, Arizona Weather, uh, Chris Dunn Weather. I think there's another one there too. So I'm kind of all over the place. If uh, uh, you Google me, you can find me. Just don't believe there. Um, there's a video that was out there that was circulated millions and millions and millions of times but uh, something that didn't really happen but it looks like it might have happened and if you find it you'll know what I'm talking about <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Chris Dunn uh, the flying weatherman uh, will, and one of the things that I think is so incredible about uh, Chris and other people that have actually gone out there and changed careers uh, is the fact that they've, they've never given up uh, and I love your attitude. A big part of what I've taken away from this conversation is that I think uh, perseverance is important, uh, and but your attitude, I think, is, is, is of utmost importance and integrity, and you sure do have that, and you're a great, uh, great example to many others. I'd hope to have you on again, though. All right. Well, I'm, I'm maybe in a couple of years we'll see where I am and what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that before that. We'll, yeah, we'll have okay. you on, uh, on Stuck Mike. We'll talk about aviation weather on there. I think we'll, we'll definitely do that. Uh, but if you're somebody that's interested in a career in aviation and you've heard Chris Dunn talk and, and you've been inspired by what he has to say, do something for me. Take one step today. When you turn off this video, you stop the audio. Don't stop there. Make sure you take one step today to move forward in your career, in your life. It could be something simple, opening a book, going to groundschool.com, checking out some of the courses that are there, or having a discussion with your spouse, your family member, your friends, your mentor. Get some career coaching. No matter what it is, do something for me. Take one step today to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there.